This is a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's not about how much money you make in a, a year or five years or 10 years. I'm not easily impressed with that. Uh, it's about how much money you take with you when you walk off the trading floor. So the way I've adapted that is, you know, it's not, I'm not easily impressed with what somebody makes in a year or five years or 10 years as a trader. The only true measure of success is what you take with you when you're done trading for active income. Welcome to the FMind podcast with me, Stephen Goldstein, and my co-host, Mark Randall, where we discuss matters related to trading psychology, trading behavior, trading mindset, and so much more. Today, we are delighted to have as our guest a special treat for you, veteran futures trader, Matt Pax Kenner. This is a great episode. In fact, it's so good, we have actually split it into two parts. Today, you get part one. Next time, you get part two. Strap yourselves in. This is an absolutely superb listen. Firstly, thank you to our two podcast sponsors, without whose support this podcast would not be possible, and who we are extremely proud to be associated with. Our first sponsor is TradeStation International Limited. Clients of TradeStation International can use the outstanding TradeStation Global Multi-Asset Trading Platform with access to international markets and where you can leverage their superb professional grade tools developed over many decades, such as Radar Screen, The Matrix, and easy language, an intuitive coding language for traders. And with TradeStation, there are no hidden price spreads, just transparent, low commissions. To find out more about opening an account, visit tradestation-international.com forward slash alphamind or go to our website alpha-mind.net or see the link in the episode description. TradeStation International Limited is authorised and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority in the UK and acts as an introducing broker to Interactive Brokers UK Limited. TradeStation International Limited does not provide investment advice or trading recommendations. Trading in financial products involves risk. You could lose more than your initial investment. Our second podcast sponsor is the Society of Technical Analysts, the STA. The STA provide world-beating technical analysis education and outstanding membership services, including regular meetings, conferences, and support material for their members. I personally have been a member of the STA for many years and also lecture on their fantastic diploma program. This program is also offered in a home study course form and Alpha My members can obtain a 10% discount on the cost of this fantastic home study course. We do highly recommend this if you really want to boost your understanding of technical analysis and how it can be used in markets. To find out more about this offer, go to our website alpha-mind.net or see the link in the episode description. Now on with the podcast. Well, welcome to uh, this week's uh, Alpha Mind podcast and uh, we're delighted to have I'm particularly delighted to have a, 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 a fellow floor veteran, pit trader, on the show this week, uh, Matt Kenner. Matt Pax Kenner, known to, to many. Pax Trader. Um, many of you that follow uh, Finn Twid and all the, the big sort of um, you know, trade sort of education um, websites that would have come across Matt's name, uh, a real thought leader in the space. Full of experience, globally renowned. Um, has got methodology around um, executing trades out of the opening range, which is uh, much uh, alluded to by many, and has apparently made the mistakes every trader has ever tried and has invented mistakes himself that most traders don't even get to experience. So, 
listen, we're delighted to have uh, Matt on the show. But perhaps, Matt, just tell us a bit more about the journey, the story, and, uh, you know, and, um, you know, what, uh, what's key and important for you at the moment. Well, thank you, Mark. And thanks for the kind introduction. And thanks, Steve, for having me here. I'm delighted to be here with you guys. I've listened to your podcast now um, for the last couple of years. It's uh, it's a real honor to be here and to be asked back. So um, I don't know. You know, I have it's it kind of made me chuckle when when I heard you uh, reading that tweet that I that I, I put out there a few times about making every mistake that a trader can possibly make. Um, I've never heard anybody else actually say that, uh, you know, the, the I've I've had a great career as a trader. I started on the floor, uh, the Chicago Mercantile Ex- Exchange floor in 1989 as a runner right after high, I graduated high school. I don't want to become a policeman in my neighborhood. It was become a policeman or a fireman or, you know, it wasn't exactly a college material at that time. So I started off as a runner and I kind of worked every job up. And I think people are pretty familiar with that part of the story until um, I decided to be a Catholic priest. And I went off to the seminary when I was 23 years old and I spent three and a half years of, uh, then I went to college and went to school to uh, study to be a priest and spent three and a half years in college, finished my degree early. I took a leave of absence and, and I went back on the floor of the Chicago Mercantile Exchange and I was trading. I was married within a year, trading within a year and a half and had a baby and Made my first million all before I was 30, um, all the while on leave of absence from the seminary. So Bishop never knew that I got married and had kids and started making money. <laughs> so anyway, it just kind of went from there. Um, I, I I was at the right place at the right time. You know, I went into the NASDAQ pit when the NASDAQ futures market was a new market. I wanted to be... I, I, you know, I, I kind of wanted to go into something that had potential. The reason I became a trader and not a broker is because in my mind, anyway, brokers had an unlimited or had a limited upside. Um, locals had an unlimited upside. I, I took a class by um, my first technical analysis class was by a guy named Dan Gramza. Uh, Dan Gramza is a very uh, well-known technical analyst and uh, teacher professor. And uh, one of the one of the things that he said in, in the very first class that I took was every futures trade that you make has the theoretical potential to make your wildest dreams come true. And conversely, every futures trade that you make also has the potential to crush your financial dreams. And, you know, I, I heard both aspects of it, but I but the unlimited upside part of it is what resonated with me. So I don't want to I didn't want to be one of those guys that pigeonholed myself. I wanted to be able to do whatever I could do, only only limited by my own imagination. So when I started trading, I went into the NASDAQ pit, which was still a new pit with all of this potential. You know, we did maybe 5,000 contracts a day, and that was in the big NASDAQ pit where we were $100 a tick. Um, so every, you know, every one point, we traded in one point ticks. So 41 to 42 was 100 bucks. Um, and, and very quickly, I realized, you know, I started off with uh, the, the, the trader that I worked for, the or, the broker that I worked for in the Euro dollar pit. He's the one that put me into the NASDAQ. He backed me. So he signed the T-bill for me. And, and all I had to do was just come up with my trading capital. And he wasn't going to share in my profit loss. So again, unlimited upside. 
with, <laughs> of course, that's what resonated with me. Not the, not the, not the unlimited downside. So I started off with ten thousand dollars, and you, you really needed it. You couldn't walk into that pit without, you, you know, anything less than a hundred. But because Steve Mendez, SRG Financial, backed me, I can as long as I did not go debit, I could trade. So um, I walked in the pit that first day. My seat lease came out thirty two hundred dollars. So now all of a sudden I'm down thirty two hundred. Very first trading day it was, it was, uh, um, you know. A little bit of pressure was put on me. The first trade I made, I lost two hundred dollars on a one lot, in like in like in an instant. Holy moly! Wait a second. What did Dan Grams say about this unlimited downside? Every dream. Oh my gosh, my dreams are g- going to get crushed here. I'll be good, be a clerk again. I'm married. I got a baby. I don't know what I'm going to do. I had. I was a really really good clerk, an arbitrage clerk. You know the the guys that did the hand signals. You know, I was really good at that, and I just kind of assumed that. All my experience as a clerk and, and my talent as a clerk was going to naturally transfer into me being a trader, and it just didn't. I had no idea what in the hell I was doing. No clue, no methodology, no process. I just figured that I'd be able to go in there, charm all the – everybody would trade with me because I was a fun-loving, charming, young Southside kid, and everybody was going to – it just didn't work out that way at all. <laughs> Within – Two, three months, I was, you know, I had $257. I still have the statement, $257 left in my trading account. And it was, uh, uh, we, we had the weekend off and I'm walking around. I smoked at the time. We're walking around outside smoking a cigarette. And I'm talking to this guy, Mark Weil, who is a local in my pit and uh, in the NASDAQ. We're still doing like five, 6,000 contracts a day. And I had talked to, I had since started taking a class by one of the fellas that became my mentor. And it's like a second father to me, Mickey Hoffman. And Mickey was teaching us about the mechanics of pit trading. You know, it was a, it was a, uh, um, a mock trading class, you know, so locals, guys that were tra- trading to be locals, traders would practice trading. And then guys who were practicing how to become order fillers would be on the outside being order fillers. And so Mickey was teaching me about mindset and he really kind of took a liking to me, maybe saw something in me too at the time. So I went and talked to Mick and Mick made some appointments for me when I had $257 in my account to, 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 to talk to some um, prop groups, to some prop traders that would back me and give me the, give me the time and, and, and uh, the ability to be able to figure it out. So I'm sitting there smoking a cigarette, actually one after the other with this guy, Mark Weil. And, and I was telling Mark the story and Mark said, uh, uh, you know, listen, this is going to be the last great pit that we have before everything goes electronic. This is 1997. Don't go beg, borrow, and steal money to put into your account. Don't. Whatever you do, don't sign a deal with somebody giving 50% of what you make away for the next three years. You're going to regret it. Another six months when you finally figure it out, you're going to regret it. Find a way to buy yourself time. And I kept thinking, easy for you to say, you're the only child of a doctor. My father's an Irish immigrant. We, we, we don't have any dough. I didn't have a rich uncle or rich father. I had to figure it out. But I didn't say that. I just smoked my cigarette and thought, all right, maybe he's on to something. So I walk up to the trading floor and 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 it was just I had my head between my legs. I didn't know what I was gonna do. And there's Steve Mendez, the guy that backed me. And I'm thinking, that's it. He's pulling the plug. He saw I got 257. He's done with me. He's going to tell me, but I didn't go debit. You know, I, I got this whole scenario playing off in my mind. But he was walking along with this guy who I'd never seen before. And he pulled me over. He said, I want to introduce you to this guy, Judd. 
Judd is looking for traders. Judd was a big trader in the yen pit. Judd is looking for traders to 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 teach and to mentor. And and well, Judd, are you looking for somebody to back? Nope, I'm not. I'm not uh, prepared to do that. But I will teach you. So I, you know, I thank Steve and I figured, oh, I got nothing to lose. I'll go talk to this guy. And uh, we went to the Merck Club, and uh, which was a private club that you know, a bunch of traders belong to, Judd belonged to it. We went down and sat in there and, and Judd told me for a thousand hours a week, I'll teach you a way to trade that will work on the floor, off the floor, um, in an office, on the computer, anywhere in the world at any time. I said, okay, I'm in. But a thousand a week, I'm bartending six nights a week to pay my mortgage. My wife has got her master's degree. She's working at the Gap folding clothes. I, he said, don't worry, you'll pay me at the end of the month. You know, so I, I, the only thing I had to do was I had to be there every morning at six. I got off of, you know, I bartended, closed the restaurant at, at midnight or one. Uh, I had a baby, you know, uh, it just the whole, everything seemed to be moving so quickly. But I woke up and I had to read the Financial Times from front to cover, from cover to back every morning before I met with him. Now, I didn't have to, and he made clear, I didn't have to understand what I read. I just had to show him that I read it. And I didn't understand a word of it, but I read it. And I met with him at six in the morning and he taught me the basics of how to trade the opening range, which is, is what I've, you know, transferred onto the screens. Um, he also taught me everything, you know, about the technical work, the way I do my technical work and things too, but that came later. So I, at the end of the month, I had $257 left in my account that day. Um, the, at the end of the month, I paid him his 4,000 and I quit my, my bartending job in another month after that because I was off to the races. So my first six months, you know, I lost 10,000 seat leases came out too. So I didn't really lose money. I was just afraid. I was afraid to really trade and because I was afraid to trade, you know, scared money never makes money because I was afraid to trade. And I was under pressure to make money. I had to pay my mortgage. I had to pay my bills. I was bartending at night and that bought me some time. My wife was working at the gap at my ex-wife now, but my wife then was working at the gap that helped too. But I had to make money. I was under pressure to make money. And I did not have a process to be able to, to, to help me do that. So Judd taught me these things. And I listened to him. My, I was too afraid to make a trade, though. It took me like three or four days before I did, or maybe even a week. In my mind, it was you know like a week, but probably less than that. <laughs> and Judd really kind of did make the trade. You know, the NASDAQ was, that Judd was a clerk at the time. He was not a member. Um, and uh, uh, the NASDAQ was, the opening range breakout was good for eight points in the NASDAQ. And that's when the NASDAQ, this is the beginning of the contract. You, can, you guys can go back and look at a, a historical chart. And you can see that we did, this is in 1997, June of 97, August of 97. You can see that we did, you know, 15, 20 handles in, in a NASDAQ. That's it. And maybe 5,000 contracts in a day would be busy. Um, so I happened to be at the right place at the right time with the right mentors. Mickey Hoffman teaching me everything I needed to know uh, about mindset and how to think and act and battle and fight like a trader. And Judd Hirschberg teaching me everything I needed to know about the opening range breakout. And then the rest was on me. So I, I, I felt like I had nothing to lose. I had everything to gain back to that unlimited upside mentality, back to, you know, the, the abundant mindset, not a mindset of scarcity, but an abundant mindset. I knew that, that I knew, I knew that if I bartended, I'd own the bar. I knew that if I drove a truck, I'd own the trucking company. I knew that when I became a trader, I'd be the best trader out there. You know, I was by far not even on, not even close to it, but I was 
I knew that I would eventually get there. I just didn't know how. So I really believe that God brought these two Jewish guys into my life to change it, my, my godfathers. And I love them. I love both of them. They're still in my life. <laughs> so I happen to also be at the right place at the right time. The NASDAQ was just, a, you know, we were in the beginning now of the tech bubble, you know, so that was just kind of taken off. And I didn't know enough to stay out of my own way. So every every day I'm trading the opening range breakout, I'm getting long and, you know, people are, all of these guys are getting killed because we're just making new all-time highs and the market can't possibly go any higher. The S&P, if you look at a historical chart, the Spoo's are having a hard time getting above 1,500. You know, and, and and the NASDAQ just kept doubling every month. It was, you know, we went from 1,200 to 2,000 to 3,000 to 4,000 up to 5,000, which was the all-time high. And then, boom, the bubble burst. And that was like, I mean, all of a sudden we had 100, 200, 300, 400, 500 handle ranges in the, consistently. I remember doing our out trades and and, and a, uh, an experienced Deutsche Mark trader who came into the, uh, to the NAS at that time with us said, gosh, could you imagine if we if we did 10,000 contracts in the pit a day? Oh, man, we'd all be rich. Um, you know, the ten, and that's the first time in, in the conversation that somebody explained to me that 4,000 a day was a million a year. Four, if I made four grand a day, that's a million a year. I can do that. In, the, in this environment, with these ranges, with this volume, with this process, with this mindset, oh, I can do that. I didn't know enough. To, to, to I didn't I, I knew enough that I didn't know enough and I didn't know enough to know enough. So I just kept rolling along. I was at the right place at the right time and things worked. And then the volume started to grow. People started to come into the pit. Deutsche Mark, uh, the uh, currency guys who were trading the euros, and that was tough and electronic mostly. So they were coming in. The the euro dollar traders were really really well capitalized in the front month. The euros, second option euros were dying. And so they were coming in. So we were getting an influx of all of these experienced, well-capitalized traders. But I had the, I had the, I was on pick committee. I was on uh, arbitration panel. I was starting to serve on, on all kinds of committees at the CME. But I had the advantage of being um, considered one of the original guys in that pit. And I knew that pit very well. I knew the contract very well. So the, as the volume grew, I grew with it. So if, if there were 20 lots on, if they, and this is the difference between sizing up on in the pit and sizing up on the screens is if there was, if, if Goldman and City and Deutsche Bank and, you know, all of the big banks and funds were doing hundred lots, well, I can trade hundred lots. You know, I, I can trade bigger size and that was a hundred thousand dollars every 10 points, right? I can trade that kind of size because there was that kind of paper in the pit. Well, a lot of us didn't make it. A lot of pit traders didn't make it on the screens because we didn't know how to size up and size down anymore. You know, now we're just constantly trading big size because, well, that's what we did on the floor. Well, it was almost instinctual. When the, when the volume was there, you can trade bigger size. On the screens, you know, it, 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 all I had to do was click. And before you know it, I, you know, I'll just buy a 10 lot. Before you know it, I've got 200 S&P on and I'm short 100 NASDAQ. And how in the hell did that happen? I was just going to trade a 10 lot. So I tried to make that transition be, uh, to the screen from the pit to the screens kind of kind of kind of uh, seamless, but it didn't happen that way. You know, it was I opened a prop group. I was a partner in a clearing firm, an FCM. So I had my own FCM. I was partners in, and I I own my own prop firm. You know, not, not a real prop firm, not a not like a you know 
like an S&B capital prop firm, you know, where we hired guys and that kind of thing. Not, not a, uh, uh, you know, like a electronic prop firm with the, yeah, I don't want to besmirch anybody. So I want to mention names, but you know what I mean? So, you know, I mean, all kinds of capital uh, wrapped up in that. I got divorced and I got remarried and, you know, oh my God, all of, and all of the, the, all of that entails. I took a year off and we were, you know, from 03 to 04. When I left, the NASDAQ still 100 handle ranges. When I came back, 30 handle ranges. So I, you know, they had a, they had a, a squawk box, you know, and the guy would always, the guy would always uh, uh, key on me. Pax is buying, Pax is buying, and Pax is buying. Me and you would see the computer now side by side came in. Pax is buying, and you'd see the computers bid up. Pax is selling, you would see the computers you know, off from down, I could move the market a hundred points if I wanted to, and, and, you know, when the markets were cooperating. Now we've got 30 handle ranges and, and it became PAX is buying tops, PAX is selling bottoms. So I'm selling into the bid and the market's not going anywhere. And all of these electronic traders were picking me up. You know, uh, uh, Navinder Sureo, the, the trader that was blamed for the flash crash that Liam Vaughn wrote very eloquently about. There were two really, really big guys that were trading the E-mini NASDAQ at that time when I came back. It was uh, Ivan, you know, who we just called the Russian, and it was Navinder, uh, uh, Nav. And we didn't know Nav's name. We just knew it was some guy out of the UK that was just trading huge sides and spoofing the market. So I would spoof them, only I, I would honor my markets. 500 of even, 100 of even. So buy and buy and buy and buy. Oh, shit. And, you know, and, and, and I, my ego getting involved now. Don't fade me. 50 at 95. For the most part, I would get roasted on that. But I, I kept telling myself, I'm willing to lose a million dollars in order to prove you guys wrong because I was going to fight that electronic trading. I was going to, I was going to, I was going to battle it. I was going to fight those algos and I did fight them and it didn't work. And all I did was lose money and spin my wheels and trade like an idiot. So eventually I just went and managed those two businesses and, and, and then 08 and 09 happened. And yeah, well, you know, none of that shit went well. Um, every investment that I made was bad. I invested in restaurants and bars I forgot about. I bought more buildings than I could possibly imagine. I, I, you know, anybody that asked for a dollar got 10. It was ridiculous. So um, I, I ended up taking some time off and, and that was it. My mother died in March of, um, in June of 08. My sister died in November of 08. My mother-in-law died in March of 09. So I missed most of that year. We had our prop group and the prop room failed. And, you know, I didn't realize how bad it was until after I came back from everybody's deaths. And I, and, and by that time, you know, I, I was, I had a little bit left over. I was still okay. My wife and I decided, you know, go back and trade a little bit. So I went to the high Pete straight Pete Stottlemyre for a little bit. He was trying to update market profile and bring it into the age of algorithms. I was one of two traders chosen to do that. That was a, an incredible honor. Um, it was like, me sitting, listening to Pete Stottlemyre talk every day and kind of explain things was, you know, I got to sit at the foot of the master, but I, I had no idea what the hell he was saying. He was the smartest man I'd ever sit and sat in front of. Um, I don't even know how to explain it. It's like somebody teaching you advanced calculus and, and, and you can understand algebra. Um, now, I mean, what he was, what, what his, his add-on, the way that he was trying to update micro profile didn't work anyway, but, but it just, it was, it was, it was an incredible experience, but also very challenging. But that gave me the bug to go back and trade. So I went into the hog pit and, and started to do well again. And then MF Global hit. And uh, then after MF Global, that was, you know, that was like the straw that broke the camel's back. Everything that I didn't deal with in 08 and 09, my mother, my sister, my mother-in-law's death, 
um, and maybe some residual of uh, leftover effects of my divorce, all that stuff came crashing in because my business was built on a foundation of sand, it was not built on a solid foundation. I had had it too easy in the beginning part of my career, unlimited upside, limited downside. It was just too easy. I was at the right place at the right time with a modicum of talent, and I had two great mentors. Yet here I am thinking that I did this. I did this. You know, I didn't talk to my mentors regularly. I was kind of doing my own thing because I was a big trader. I was PAX. I was PAX. I was PAX. So my when 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 uh, MF Global came, that was like the straw that broke the camel's back. And I, and I was just pissing away money at that point, pouring six figures into my trading account, losing it, losing it. It was terrible. So we, we were completely belly up, totally broke. And, and now I had to figure it out, trading one lots again on the screen. My wife and I, we got our first check back from MF Global. My wife and I rented a house in Key Biscayne, Miami, uh, off the coast of Miami for the winter. <laughs> and do I go to law school? You know, do I become a therapist? Those were two things that I thought about doing. And I think I'd be good at it, you know. Therapists would be like kind of being a priest again. I get to help people change, you know, help people, you know, uh, attorney. Well, maybe I can help some people, but I can make a lot of money. But my wife, who was a clerk on the floor, um, my wife of 18 years was a clerk on the floor, 17 years, was a clerk on the floor for many years. And she came into the NASDAQ as, as a clerk from the end. She said, you know what? I trust you until you trust yourself. When I met you, you were the king of the NASDAQ. Go back and figure this out. So I did. The fact that she loved me and trusted me when I had a hard time doing that myself was enough for me. So I put five thousand. I went and talked to, to Scott Gordon, the chairman of uh, uh, RCG, and I put five grand into a trading account. Uh, I didn't. I I told him, listen, Scott, I don't want to put fifty grand in there because if I put fifty thousand in there, I'll make fifty thousand dollar mistakes. Fact is, I didn't have fifty thousand to put in there. Um, but I didn't. You know, I didn't want. I didn't want anyone to smell blood in the water. I didn't want the, you know anyone to know that I was weak at that point because I was weak. I was very weak. But it was in that weakness that I found my strength. It was in that weakness that I was able to finally build a career based on a solid foundation, one trade at a time. So what worked on the floor for me? I had to, I had to, I had to figure all of these things out. What worked on the floor? How do I adapt it to screen trading? Because you know, just buying hundred lots and hoping they work out, well, that didn't work. You know. Uh, buying 100 S&P and selling 100, 200 NASDAQ, that didn't work either. So what works? Let's trade one lots and figure it out. And I started to use the opening range breakout again. And uh, and I started to try to, you know, where I started to put my my the process together that I trade and, and that, I, that I teach traders how to trade and that traders all over the world are trading now at this point. I started to put it together one trade at a time. I started trading one lots. Where is the where are the algorithms taking the market before they decide to expand the range? Well, it looks like what I call the pain lines. It looks like it's four points, okay, and the uh, it's two hundred dollars a contract, so four points, ten points, twenty cents accrued. So, okay, you know, now uh, I got to do my technical work. How am I? If Bollinger bands work. What what works? What works? What works? Trend lines, you know. So, but I went back and I did my technical work the way that it was taught to me. And uh, um, and then I started to find the highs and lows in my plan quite often. So I started to trade two lots. So I traded to where the algorithms in my mind were taking the market before they extended through. And I sold one, paid for my trade, and I took profit on it. And then I would take it to the next target. I started to make some money consistently. But then, you know, I started to see the market, where the volatility was picking up. This is in 13, winter of 13. 
the uh, 2013 volatility, the, the ranges started to, con- to, to continue to, to uh, uh, expand in the S&P and NASDAQ. And so, you know, what market do I like trading? I started trading the S&P primarily because I felt like I knew the NASDAQ too much and I would get stubborn in it. I had to develop a, a process of trading that I would stick to every single trade. So I started to trade three lots. So I took the market to the pay line. I took the market to the first target. And then I would have something on for the next target. But wait a second, I missed, I'm giving too much up. So I started to trade four lots. And I quickly realized that I had less risk trading two lots than I do one lots. In fact, I've got less risk trading four lots than I do one lots. Now that's over, you know, I, I, I don't mean every specific trade. I mean over a long period of trade or, or a long period of time. Um, I stopped smoking. I started lifting weights. I started to run. Uh, this is all in my early 40s now. Uh, I started to eat better. I lost 30 pounds pretty quickly. I spent a lot more time with my family. I started to go to sleep every night at the same time and wake up at the same time, eat healthy, work out consistently. I started the prayer life again. Remember, I was going to be a Catholic priest at one time, so I started to pray. I started to meditate, guided meditations. So I needed all of this stuff. That was another thing that I needed to do was when I was happiest, what did I do in my life that, you know, that I didn't do for a long time? Well, when I was in the seminary, my whole day was structured. From the time I woke up to the time I went to bed, I had a schedule that I had to keep. So I started to put a schedule around my life again. And that made me more present to my wife. It made me more present to my children. Um, I've got five kids, two from my first marriage, three from my second. And, 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 and all of these things became that solid foundation that I taught, that I spoke about earlier that I was able to kind of build from, you know, and that solid foundation kind of gave me the ability to be able to extract money out of the market and to protect it without waiting for the other shoe to fall. You know, oh, I just had a really big day trading, you know, I'm going to give that up or what's going to happen yet. Where's the other shoe? You know, the, the other shoe doesn't fall when you take it one trade at a time, you stick to a routine. You don't make money every day. You don't make money every week, but you know, you consistently pull money out of the market. As long as your processes and things that I've enumerated over the course of the last few years, as long as your process is consistent, it's repeatable and scalable. If my process is repeatable, scalable and consistent, then it's a legit process. And over time, I'm going to be able to pull money out of the market because this is another thing that I've learned over the course of the last 25 years. This is a marathon. It's not a sprint. I heard a trader once say, you know, um, oh gosh, and this is so true. Uh, It's not about how much money you make. Um, Wayne Friedman said this. He was a big order filler in, 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 uh, um, in the year dollar options pit. It's not about how much money you make in a, a year or five years or 10 years. I'm not easily impressed with that. Uh, it's about how much money you take with you when you walk off the trading floor. So the way I've adapted that is, you know, it's not, I'm not easily impressed with what somebody makes in a year or five years or 10 years as a trader. The only true measure of success is what you take with you when you're done trading for active income. I don't ever see myself not trading. I'll trade until I can't trade anymore. Uh, not aggressively, but I mean, I'll, I'll always be involved in the market because you know, I wake up in the morning and every day is different. I wake up every morning and, and I'm challenged to overcome my weaknesses and I'm challenged to be the best version of myself. And I and I do that through my my career as, as a trader and as a mentor to other traders too. You know, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm not sticking to my routine, if I'm not working out or I'm not, you know, doing the things that I'm meant to do that, you know, according to my, the structure that's in my life, life that got me to where I am, then I'm, you know, I, I'm backsliding. There is no standing still in this business. My, my, my back, my, my weaknesses are in the 
background doing push-ups, getting stronger. When 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 I take my eye off them because I've had a uh, I'm a great trader or because I'm a great mentor because I'm a you know great anything. I'm just another bozo on the bus, and, and, and my weaknesses are in the background doing push-ups, and I've got to be mindful of them because they'll snap on me. They'll jump on my back and start clawing my eyes out until they start beating the, the, the bejesus out of me. And I can't afford for that to happen. My wife deserves more than that. My children deserve more than that. And now, after all of these years, I can, I can honestly say that I deserve more than that. So everything that I've been through these last 25 years, you know, from the ups and the downs and the good and the bad and the ugly and all of that other stuff in, in, in spirit of Thanksgiving last night, I said this in, in the U.S., I said this to my son driving home. I am grateful and thankful for all of it. I'm thankful for my oldest daughter is 25 years old, Genevieve. My oldest daughter, uh, you know, is she works in the university system in the U.S. She's got a master's degree in in, in uh, college administration. <laughs> so we were talking about when, when we sold our house, you know, after MF Global and I pissed away all that money and we ended up moving into my father's house on the south side of Chicago. You know, moved in my dad's house. So I said, how do you how do you talk to people about that? Do you say you were homeless, Jen? No, but I do say in all honesty, dad, and I hope that this, that this doesn't bother you, but I do say that we experienced housing insecurity. Yeah, we did. You slept on the floor of Papa's house for six months before we were able to get our own place. Yeah, yeah. And that made you who you are. Be thankful for that because that's given you, you know, the, the point is, is that that's given you the ability to be able to, to identify with people who are struggling in life because we struggled and we did it honestly and we did it together. So every experience that I've had in my life, I'm thankful for and I'm grateful for because it's helped me build that solid foundation that no matter what happens in my life now, you know, it's not it, it may shake, but it's not going to crumble. I'll always be OK. I might not be the biggest and the best and the richest trader in the world, but I'll always be OK. And I get to teach and help other traders learn how to be okay. And that is the that is that is one of the great privileges that I've ever had in this business is to be able to work with other traders and helping helping other traders find consistent profitability and to maintain that consistent profitability. Wow, I think uh, just um, an incredible story. But I think also people will get a sense as to what passion sounds like in markets. Yeah, and what immersion immersing yourself in market sounds like i think you know you, you broke into wanting to be a pit trader again during that conversation with the you know with the hand signals with the motions with 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 that activity and i think that that guess stays with you right that that emotional price discovery chaos that i went through you went through you don't lose that and it, and it returns no. super quickly and as also a privilege to have experienced that, right? Because that's a yes. thing for anyone to, to have to, to, I'd say, to go through because it was it, it was an effort to get through it, right? Because it wasn't an easy ride. But I think what was important for you that's coming out for me in this, and I'm glad I asked you to describe that, as I think it's one of the longest intros we've, we've ever had, but it was <laughs> necessary to, to hear that. And I think what comes through to me is that you you bothered to listen to other people. You bothered to ask questions and listen and be mentored. And, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't say that that was something that everybody did. I'm sure you had others around you that were trying to 
to, to migrate off of the floor onto, you know, trying to trade it electronically, that almost certainly just didn't survive that journey. Um, most, like, most, right? Absolutely. So if you look back at that transition, what do you think you had in particular as an edge that was coming through for you? Was it the fact that well, you were well-mentored, you were bothering to listen, you were had this, this gross mindset of understanding that it was just about learning, 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 and dealing with difficulty that you were going to come up with and just pushing through it? Was, was, was that where your edge was to get through this journey? That's exactly yeah. yeah, you know, Mark, I had I had I had mentors in in my career that have no idea that they mentored me. You know, I I I didn't know anybody on that trading floor when I started. I didn't know a soul. So I I uh, um, I, I I don't know how people do it now. I really don't know how traders do it now. You know, you, you find somebody on Twitter and and they wind up being a shyster or whatever. You know. I can see who was great. You know, somebody told me Louis Borsellino was a great trader. He made a million dollars in a day, and I didn't believe it till, of course, I did. But um, I, I could, I can watch Louis. I, I, I would say hi to him, and then you know he would start talking, you know, saying hi back to me, and I can ask him, Ira Harris. You know, Ira Harris, I tweet a lot about. He's he's still part of my life, and and uh, a great. Uh, he's my my macro, you know, trader. He's he's a. Uh, my macro anal, uh, he's my macro uh, uh, mentor. You know, he's a great macro fundamental trader, and 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 uh, I, I somebody told me that he's that he was that. Good morning, Ira. Good morning. Good morning. Until he read my badge to say my name back to me after a couple of months, and then I started asking questions, and you know, we'd have lunch, and and you know, that natural inquisitiveness was, and, and not to mention the fact that Mickey, that I had Mickey and Judd. Um, which just, you know, that, that made all the difference in the world. But I knew that even in my darkest times, even in the darkest days, I knew that I'd be okay. I knew that, I knew that somehow I'd figure it out. I never, you know, in, in prayer, in my prayer life, I never prayed for the money to be restored, you know, oh God, make me rich again. Uh, I just prayed for my path to be illuminated. I, I, I just wanted to be able to, I just wanted to be able to see the path clearly again you know, and, and, and just walk that path again. And, and that means that if I'm walking that path, that means I, I think inherently it means that I'm not walking it alone. I'm walking a path, you know, we don't walk through life alone. We can't. I don't know how people do that on the screens. You know, where do you, where do you find somebody that's real? Where do you find somebody that's good? How do you know that somebody's legit? And that sort of thing. I said the other day or a week or so ago in a Twitter spaces, if you want to know who I am, called Terry Duffy, the chairman of the CME group. That's before Terry was on every news station in the world talking about this FTX thing. Um, Terry and I are, have been friends for many years. We served on a bunch of uh, uh, charity uh, boards and things like that. Anyway, My, my ability to, my deep-seated belief in myself, you know, that self-confidence that I knew that I'd be okay no matter what happened, I think was, was uh, you know, helped help carry me through some pretty dark days. The fact that my wife loved me and trusted me, even, you know, when most women would have probably cut and ran, that also played a, a major, major part in it. And, uh, um, and, and, and being humble enough to, to know that some things did work and a lot didn't. And now I've got to I've got to clear the decks, and I've got to bring what, what worked, and I've got to get rid of what didn't. Uh, so, uh, I think the I think uh, the, the transition from understanding that uh, 
time is more valuable than money. Something that as as one matures and family comes on scene, and you mentioned presence a lot, I guess being showing up for them, right? And it's so easy that if you're in this space and you're screen based, that they're all having dinner and you're sitting in your room and trying to make another another loss or another whatever. There are people doing that, and I think this realization that you know money is valuable, fine, but time. If you can make time your value point, then your life changes. You just have a different aspect as to what to focus upon and mm-hmm. when to focus upon it. Um, and that's really, really important as a, as a realization for anyone really, as they go on their journey. Gosh, I, I don't like I don't like looking at pictures of myself, my kids from from those days, you know, because I, I know how obsessed I was with with you know, whatever kind of technical dark alley I was going down or, or trying to, trying to search for the answer someplace. One of the things I think that many of us coming off the floors thought, uh, uh, at least I know I did was I didn't have enough information. I didn't have enough knowledge. You know, all of these guys on the screens are all these technical wizards. I'm not a technical wizard. I'm just a pit trader. And, and, you know, I, ultimately that wasn't the case. Ultimately I just needed to be able to kind of simplify everything and I needed to stick to it consistent, repeatable and scalable. And I needed to look for plates. You know, I, I think that traders that consider themselves technical analysts are looking to catch every move and every wiggle. And they, they make these great calls and, and all that other stuff. For me, it's the exact opposite. Um, I, I'm looking for every, every day, every opportunity, every day is an opportunity to increase my size, decrease my size or not trade. So go big, go smaller, not at all. Every day, every every trade. Today, you know, I, I, like I said earlier in the beginning of the conversation, I love trading the day after Thanksgiving. Today, we didn't do anything. So I took a couple of trades to scratch them and cut my size. I took another couple of trades and nothing happened, so I stopped trading. Monday might be a different story. Monday might be an opportunity for, for me to increase my size, you know. So the less I trade, the happier I'm going to be. And, and, and that meant that I had to simplify my process and I had to just – continue to do the same thing over and over and over again. Um, I think I got off. Uh, I think I got off a topic. No, I think it's, it's, it's so important to, um, to discuss these things in, a, in an open way. Right. Cause it's more, it's more than just about trading. It's yes. about trading. Right? That's and, yeah, uh, that's point. Yeah, that's it. Absolutely. You, you know, Mark, I, I, I say this at, almost every weekend to the traders when I close out the day is, um, uh, you know, don't, don't sit in front of the screens and, and pour over charts all weekend. Go spend time with your family. I'll give you the targets in the morning and our morning plan, you know, and on Monday morning, uh, you know, you, you don't just go do something good. If you made money, take the money out of your account, fund your tax accounts, and then go do something for somebody you love. Cause it's all about that. That's the foundation. It's about spending time with my family and it's about being healthy and, and, and helping them be the best version of themselves while I'm actively doing that. Wow, some great advice there from Matt. Brings to an end the first part of this fantastic interview with Matt. As you can tell from the passion Matt put into this, there is so much more fantastic stuff to come. So do tune in for the second half of this fantastic interview when we release that episode in the next couple of weeks. In the meantime, you can find out about Matt at his website, thepaxgroup.org, or follow him on Twitter at paxtrader777. Thank you for listening today. We would like to thank our podcast sponsorship partners, TradeStation Global and the Society of Technical Analysts, the STA. 
You can find out more about our sponsors on our website, alpha-mind.net, or see the link in the episode description. TradeStation Global is a multi-asset trading platform with access to international markets where you can trade a range of instruments from one single account and leverage professional-grade trading tools. Visit tradestation-international.com forward slash AlphaMind to know more. The Society of Technical Analysts, the STA, provide well-beating technical analysis education programs. AlphaMind podcast listeners can obtain a 10% discount off the cost of their excellent home study course. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, we'd appreciate it if you could leave a friendly review or provide a rating for the show on whichever podcast service you use. You can find out more about us at our website, alpha-mind.net. You can follow us on Twitter at alphamind101 and at alphamind102. And you can connect with me, Stephen Goldstein, and my co-host, Mark Randall, on LinkedIn. You can also follow us and can check back over some of our past episodes on the alphamindpodcast.com. We wish you the best of luck in the markets. Have a good week.